0: Good morning. Welcome to Spring Meadows Presbyterian Church. This is Sunday School. My name is Dave, uh, and we're going to be talking about foster care today. Um, so part of an ongoing series about Christian ethics and we've uh, had some interesting discussions about what are ethics like what 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 is an ethic like you know we might think of you know to gamble or not to gamble is an ethic right but do is to foster or not to foster an ethic or is to send somebody to hell or not send somebody to hell an ethic what what is it about uh, what what is an ethic Um, and I I think that uh, we've So sort of started focusing that discussion around um, what is the character of God? What is the nature of God? Uh, And those things that emanate from the character of God are those things that we are supposed to emulate ethics. Uh, And so this is not a, a definitive statement regarding that. This is more a prompt for discussion for you guys. Uh, what, what is an ethic and what is not an ethic? Uh, what is a, a, a normative rule for uh, living and what is, um, a, uh, uh, what, what is something that, uh, that God calls certain people to and, and uh, does not call other people to? Uh, so let's think about that as we go through this series and as we read our, our Bibles and as we pray, as we interact with our brothers and sisters in the church. Um, and let's go ahead and, and open in a word of prayer. Uh, Dear Lord, thank you for uh, challenging us. Thank you for opening your character to us through uh, revealed scripture and thank you for uh, this opportunity to learn together and to grow together uh, by the good works of your son and through the indwelling of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, So, uh, foster care. Why are we talking about this? Uh, A few months ago, Um, Josh Cools gave a a very helpful uh, Sunday school on adoption Um, and stemming from that. uh, You know, private adoption is a very different thing um, than foster care. Foster care or uh, domestic private adoption is very different from international private adoption. So you have uh, a lot of uh, category distinctions within this broader uh, umbrella of, of adoption and uh, Kathy and I as uh, f- uh, former foster parents and then for a long time adopt- adoptive parents and now current foster parents, I uh, thought it might be helpful to uh, introduce you all to, to that life and that world, and you may have had some interaction with it as well, or you may have some, uh, you know, sort of predispositions regarding uh, foster care um, that uh, we can either enforce or, or help to d- dissuade you of. Um, so let's talk a little bit where, we you know, Josh did the same thing. He, he went through the, the sorts of um, uh, verses in Scripture about caring for the fatherless, so we're not going to get too deep in the weeds on that. I did want to call special attention to Isaiah 1 it says learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow so within you know the the idea of justice is to help those which are most marginalized within society uh, and in the ancient near East um, there were there was lots of of codification of helping those who were marginalized in the Hammurabis code. There is uh, a, a call to help widows and orphans um, within uh, ancient, like, but um, within a lot of ancient city states in the Greek, uh, the Hellenistic period, there were, there was calls to defend uh, widows and orphans, but um, largely these were not altruistic. Largely, these were connected to continued military service. So, lots of fathers would get killed in the you know in the service of the city state and leave behind widows and orphans. Wealthy father or widows and orphans would be just fine uh, by and large, but the poor would not be cared for. And if you want those little boy orphans to grow up and fight for you, and if you want those little girl orphans to grow up and bear you more sons, uh, then it's probably. uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's a good thing to, to provide for them in some way. And you can see that within the codes, you know, they're talking about providing the, the uh, daughters with dowries and the sons with a helmet and a shield. And that would make perfect sense for, for what they wanted to accomplish. But the Old Testament is very different in, ter- in, it, in terms of how it approaches widows and orphans. There is not a, um, not a there, it, is in, uh, it, it is to say that god is the father of the fatherless and it is also then up to us to emulate that and to care for those widows and orphans within our community and you can see then as you transition to the New Testament that that language is, is uh, sort of like expanded and, and, and furthered because we understand that the, the type and shadow of care for orphans and widows um, beyond just their, their physical needs in the Old Testament becomes about adoption into God's family in the New Testament. Um, and so we, we can, kind of you, if you go through these verses there, you can kind of see that it becomes less about, uh, the physical needs and more about the spiritual needs, not to neglect the spiritual or the physical needs, of course, but the spiritual needs being uh, just as or more important types and shadows of the, uh, um, uh, the physical needs in the, the Old Testament. Um, so, uh, I think we can all agree there's a biblical imperative to care for the fatherless. Uh, so, moving on to some statistics, uh, which I know we all love, uh, about foster care in the United States. You have your handouts there before you. Anyone care to the, just go ahead and wager a guess on the number of children who are in foster care in the United States in total? Um, praise God it's not a million. <laughs> it's it's 424,000. Approximately, that's still a heck of a lot of kids, right? Uh, you know, if you, I, I mean, 424,000, that is, um, it, it's almost a number that's too big for us to imagine a group of people that is 400,000 large, right? Uh, so it would be more helpful maybe to understand uh, a number that we can get our ha- heads around. And that's the, the number of kids in Clark County who are in foster care, any, any uh, wagers there? 10,000? 10, 10, Praise God it's not 10,000. It's, uh, it's 3,400, which is still a lot, but that's almost, that's almost a number we can get our heads around, right? Uh, and to distill it even further, there have been an influx of infants very recently. Um, this predates the Roe decision, which we're going to talk about in just a second, so I don't believe it's uh, related in any way to that there as far as we can tell um, as you know connected to the the foster world there's no particular reason that there have been an, an influx of, of infants recently but with the, as of May of 2020 just in May of 2020 approximately 460 infants entered the system in Clark County just babies 2022 oh in as of May of 2022 okay sorry Okay. Oh, ju- yeah, just in May of this year. Yeah. Um, so there is, uh, the, the, the bottom line there is there is opportunity. There is opportunity to, to care for uh, those. Um, and we'll get into the types of foster care because it's not all the same thing. Right. It's not uh, within foster care, like we were talking about the distinctions within the umbrella of adoption uh, underneath the the that portion of that umbrella, which is foster care. There is a lot of um, opportunity to serve and distinction within that uh, that portion of the umbrella. So um, stand by and we'll talk a little bit more about that. So one of the the distinctives um, that we do need to talk about is the the distinction between uh, private adoption and foster adoption or foster care. Um, And we I I think that um, not to take away anything at all from private adoption, right? There are lots of challenges within private adoption and there are lots of uh, issues within that, and it is a wonderful thing. And by means, by all means, we should continue to do it as a church. Uh, we have wonderful families who have uh, who have adopted privately, um, but uh, the children who enter foster care are disproportionately abused, neglected, victims of violence, uh, etc. Um, we we're going to touch on or Kathy will touch on trauma later, uh, but know that these children, rather than you know having been given up for some reason by their biological families, are removed after evidence of uh, after evidence arises that they are in danger in some way. Uh, so it is a is a, dist- a, a distinction that I think is is necessary to keep in mind. So thinking through then the logical implications of the end of the you know, supposed constitutional right to abortion, uh, we are going to see and we need to be prepared for a, a greater just absolute number of children that are born every year in the United States and especially in sort of like purple states like Nevada. Uh, you know, blue states like California are going to have, you know, uh, abortion laws uh, that are uh, very liberal and, uh, you know, red states like Alabama, we don't live in. So I'm not really going to speak to that, right? I would speak to Nevada, uh, which is, you know, uh, sort of like skirts the line between um, a more liberal and a more conservative state. And so we are going to see a greater number, absolute number of children born. Uh, so. That said that abortions, you know, uh, we can look at the statistics, are more likely to be sought out by poor women, minority women, or marginalized uh, folks on, on the edges of society. Uh, these same women are more likely to have been in the system, um, victims of violence themselves, drug addicted, uh, thus more likely to be separated from their children at some point. Uh, The result of all of this is an anticipated, and, and we're not talking about this yet, influx of children into the foster care system. So this is our opportunity as a, a, a church, not a particular church, but as the Christian church, to put our money where our mouth has been the last fifty years on Roe v. Wade. Right. So necessarily and appropriately, uh, we have been speaking out against the murder of the unborn for the last fifty years, and now. That, uh, that, that extremely uh, liberal interpretation of the Constitution has gone away. There will be more children born and thus there's going to be um, a, you know, a, a larger number of children in the system. Um, so we now must be even more closely tied to opening our homes to foster care or to caring and supporting those who do. Um, I'm going to at this point hand it off to Kathy. She's going to talk about uh, our experience as foster parents and then uh, into a little bit uh, deeper you? <laughs>
1: Thank you. Good morning, I'm Kathy uh, Yeah, I'll just get into it. Uh, we knew that we wanted to foster and adopt pretty much early on when we were married, but we didn't know how to go about it so we went to a conference and uh, we saw that there are so many children that are already in the system that need homes. Even right now in uh, child Haven, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's in um, North Las Vegas, they are at capacity, so they cannot take any more children. And we've heard stories of babies and kids sleeping overnight in a police station because there's, there's nowhere to go. So we saw that the need was great, so we wanted to go through that, and so we Got a call for our first placement uh, before we were certified, and we missed out on this little boy, and we were devastated. But in the Lord's providence, the very next day, we got a call for a little girl, and her name is Jane, and she was two weeks old, and she had already been in another foster home. So she was in another foster home. Of a few miles w- down the road, and uh, that family decided they didn't want to keep her because she was supposed to be reunited with her family, bio parents, and uh, they didn't want to get attached. So they called us and they told us that, and we said, okay, we're going to love her as long as we can. So we get, her on a f- we get her on a Friday, we were certified that morning, Saturday the next day, we go to a Ralph's parking lot and hand her over to the bio family for an overnight visit. And that was extremely difficult for us. We didn't know what to expect. But as time went on, uh, visits started getting less frequent. So it was not overnight. It was three times a week, and then it was once a week, and then visits stopped. Come to find out that uh, she was no longer up for reunification, but she was up for adoption. Got her at two weeks old. Took us two and a half years to adopt her. And uh, it's one thing, the system is so broken. It is, and you you have to work in a broken system, but the Lord was sovereign in all this. And we never felt so hopeless in times and just relying on the Lord's sovereignty as we are weeping in open court, as we are just waiting for documents to come in. And it is just so, so out of our hands. So we adopted her had Roxy, well, had Roxy in between there, adopted her, and thought, what if Biomom were ever to get pregnant again? Well, we moved to Las Vegas, 2018, we find out Biomom is pregnant again. And so we think, what do we do? Do we keep the sisters together? Do we let the foster family that has her adopter? Well, we knew what we should do. The right thing to do was to keep the sisters together. And it was a hard thing to do, but the right thing to do. And the Lord definitely provided for uh, with us. And uh, we got her in October. And she is doing great, been with us. A lot of you have seen her run around. And uh, she's still in foster care, so we probably won't be able to adopt her until early next year. And why it took so long for us to get her, she's three Interstate, oh, it's just, it's a mess. COVID, so there was, there was a lot of hardships in there, but a lot of you church family have, were so gracious to us in this whole process. So uh, no case is different, I mean, every case is different. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, You can't say, like, this is going to happen every time. Uh, We have friends that had their children for two years, set of twins, and were reunited with their biological family. And so it's, you love them as long as you can, and you attach, and it is difficult, but there, there are no guarantees. I also have a friend who... Got a daughter at a uh, few months old because she was found underneath the bridge wrapped in toilet paper, and so they took her. And uh, my friend said that it took six or seven months to adopt her because she was just abandoned, no, no family to, no family to claim her, and it you just never know. But we are also called to do that, and uh, I just want to talk a little bit about the calling and what it actually looks like, and if you do feel like you're called, um, there are different types of foster care. So there are, there's respite, which is immediate care. That is once a child is detained, they call you, and it could be at any time of the day or night, two o'clock in the morning. These children were detained from this house, can you please take them in. Okay, so you have your beds ready and the children are in your care. Now that could be for a few weeks, it could be for a few months depending on the availability of other foster parents. Uh, there's also respite for other foster parents who maybe have a vacation planned and cannot take the kids out of state or out of the country or just need a break. We uh, did that one time with Jane and we actually were coming to Las Vegas <laughs> and we uh, left her with Mama Lupe and Mama Lupe was. Uh, she was amazing. She was famous for having like over 700 kids in and out of her house for respite. And that's all that she did, was just respite for a few days at a time. There is temporary foster care, which is four to six months. Sometimes it can be longer, nine months or even a year. And that's, that is hard because you do become attached with them. And then there's foster to adopt, which uh, for us took two and a half years. With Ani, it's, it's gonna take over a year and a half. But you just, you just never know. And one thing to keep in mind that they are wards of the state. So there are lots of rules and regulations that you have to go through in order to take a child into your home. If you are a family that spanks, you can't spank your child or your foster child while they're in your care. Uh, you have to lock up all your vitamins, all your medicines, and you have to have visits with social workers. So there's a, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, if you are thinking about foster care, there are two ways to go through it. There's the county, which is basic. All you got to do is take a 10-week course, and you get your fingerprints, CPR certification, uh, references, and it it's, seems like a lot, but it's really not that bad. And then um, there's something called an FFA, which is a Family Foster Association. And they are a little, no, a lot more uh, invasive into your life. They will ask you very personal questions. They come into your home weekly, and this is after a placement. And uh, they will have a home inspection, uh, both Both cases, you need fingerprinting, um, and then you go through a lot more classes. So that's up to you if you want someone to advocate for you, go through an FFA, or if you just want to have it more hands-off, and that would be going through the county. We've done both. The very first time we went through an FFA, and I think that that was very helpful because we had no idea what we were doing, and we did need someone in court with us explaining what does this mean, what is these hearings, and what's going on. And then now that we have Ani and we are just going with the county, and that seems so much easier. (laughs) We have been able to just really um, accept that uh, someone in our home once a month, not once a week. And just this past week we had a lawyer come visit and answer any questions we had. So there is still involvement, but it is not as invasive. Let's talk about some expectations of when a child comes into your home. They are going to have a trauma. And you may hear that, okay, well, if the baby is just a baby, the baby's not gonna remember. The baby will remember the trauma and not necessarily the specifics, but will remember how they felt during that time where they had maybe were neglected where they were abused. We've seen children come immediately from other foster homes, physical bruises, uh, like you could see them on their face, uh, horrible styes, needing to go to the dentist. And so it, it, it is very traumatic for them and for you. And that, like Dave was saying, the kids come from abuse and neglect. The reason they're in foster care is n- not a good reason and they have lack of stability, and so you need to be the stable home. And that is not always easy, (laughs) but uh, with a church family, especially supporting you, it makes it it so much easier. Also, when you are thinking about foster care, you can choose your gender, your race, the ages. So let's say you're thinking, oh, okay, maybe I can do this, but I don't wanna deal with diapers, fine. There are so many kids that are older that need homes too. A lot of the babies go faster because they're babies, they haven't been through so much trauma. And the older kids unfortunately lose hope and um, they will age out and at 18 more likely than not become homeless. So there is a need for teenagers, for 10 year olds and for babies. So another thing you have to consider is uh, once you get the child in your home, or children, you could have a sibling set, which my sister, she does. She has a sibling set, a one and a five-year-old, and uh, right now a bio mom is pregnant. So in a few months, she's going to have a newborn, and they're all biological siblings. So <laughs> you have to kind of be prepared for for anything. And uh, so there, with that, parents are, bio parents are still involved, so you have to be prepared for visits with the bio family, Uh, you have to be prepared for interactions with them, and also there are times where the children go to a visit, come back, and it's trauma for them, just more, it's more and more trauma because they're triggered. And it's a, it's a really tough situation to have patience with them, patience with yourself, and patience with the system, because the court system can be very frustrating. And I was talking to our social worker and she said, they are in such a need of foster parents that they will work with you. So if you think, I don't know, it's a little overwhelming, they will work with your family, they will work with the time frame. You said, maybe I can only do it for a few months, maybe I can do it for a year. They are really ready and willing to have people come and just, just look into it, really. So let's say you're not called to foster you're called to help. You're like, I don't want to do this. This is too much. I have my own kids and, you know, this is, I'm too old or, you know, there are many ways that you can help. There are immediate needs, which is prayer, of course. Um, Also, immediate needs can be supplies. When we first got Jane, we did not have a single diaper. We did not have bottles. We did not have a crib. The people in our church, they provided all that for us, and they went to Target so we didn't have to worry about getting all these supplies, so that is an immediate need that the church can fulfill, and uh, car seats, strollers, cribs, clothes, all that would be extremely helpful. We had lots of people in this church and outside the church provide us with gift cards and Uh, meals that were just such a blessing, and you think that, oh, I didn't actually give birth, I don't really need these meals, it's like, no, 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 there's still, (laughs) there's still a lot, that lots to accept a child into your house that has never been there before, and you're strangers to them, and it's scary, smells are different, sounds are different, and so it just takes a lot of time And dedication. So anything that you can do as far as that to provide food is extremely, extremely helpful to the foster families. Uh, Long-term needs, so that's immediate. Long-term needs would also be meals and food, just like any other family. (laughs) It's really nice not to have to worry about cooking. Uh, There's a church out here. uh, It's Hope Church, and they have a ministry called The Hub, and what they do is they have families in the church that serve foster families by just bringing them meals once a week. We chose to do every other week, but they, they're not even families in their church. They, it's an outreach for the community, and I met them through uh, Hannah's Closet, which was a place where you can donate to to get supplies for your children, and they said, would you like to receive meals from our church family? And I said, well, I don't go to your church." I said, no, that's okay. And so we have been receiving meals every other week, and it's been such a blessing. I've got to know all these wonderful families that have, been, have a heart to serve. And there's actually a setup where if Spring Meadows wanted to do something like that, an out, outreach to the community, to the foster family community, we could do something like that too. So that's something that we can talk about, talk to your elder, <laughs> talk to your elder about. Uh, Time. If you need to think about how you can serve a foster family, time. Just like all families, a night out babysitting helps so much. And even if it's one or two kids at a time, because it can be traumatic to bring a new child into a family when you have other children. They feel displaced, they feel uh, helpless, or maybe they feel Oh, they want to overhelp and are exhausted themselves. So what does it take to babysit a foster child? Well, if it's just for a few hours, a date night, nothing. It's called prudent parenting, and if we would pass our kids off to you, we would pass our foster children off to you as well. It is just being there. Now, let's say you wanted to do something a little more involved and have overnight visits. So mom and dad could go on a vacation or have... um, sometime with their other children. That's overnights are a little bit uh more involved, but not too much. You need to get fingerprinted, have a CPR certification, so that's something you can already have, or you can get it get it done. And uh it is caseworker approval. So we would tell our caseworker or they would tell your case or their caseworker, this is the family friend from church, they're willing to take the children or a child overnight for a weekend, okay, and then that's it. And that is a definite way that you can serve your foster families that are close to you. Also, donations. There's Hannah's Closet, which I mentioned, and that is a place where foster families can go in and everything is free. You can shop around and there are things, there are toys, clothes, shoes, there are uh, even supplies for the other kids in the house. It's not just for the foster adoptive children. There's school supplies, there's things for the adults, there's Bibles, there's books, so so many things that they actually have to move locations. They've gotten so, so big, which is a great blessing. I use it, my sister uses it. Uh, Also Child Haven, you can donate to them, and they are, like I said, they are full capacity right now, so anything that they can get, is is so helpful that some of these children come from a home with just the clothes on their back. They are removed in the middle of the night. They have nothing, not a toy, nothing, not not any diapers. And so they are in desperate need of something to comfort them. And so having new clothes or gently used clothes or toys is something that really makes a difference in their little hearts. And there are times where we've seen kids that just have a plastic bag that they, like a trash bag that they take with them. And they don't even have like a duffel bag or anything like that. So backpacks are extremely important and helpful to them. There was this one girl who the only thing that she would take out of being bounced from foster home to foster home is her straightener. That was the most important thing to her. She was a teenager, she didn't care about anything else as long as she had her hair straightener, and, but, but had other needs, of course. So you think about, okay, you are having a child in your home, or maybe you want to help out. What if it doesn't work out? What if you have a child and they are aggressive, or they have special needs that you were not aware of and you are not prepared to handle? And that happens, and that happens a lot, that there are families that will bounce children around. And it's not easy, but, uh, well, Ani, when she came to us, we're her fourth placement. And she is three. So she had three other houses that she was at before us. And why she was bounced around, we don't know. Some people said that she might have learning disabilities, so they didn't want to deal with that. So then put her in another home. Uh, If you've met her or seen her, she is thriving. She is is great. She's a firecracker. So if you, if there is an instance where you have a child in your home and you're like, I can't handle this. My sister is a perfect example of this. She wanted young children and uh, they called her and they said, we have a 16-year-old. Do you want to take her, yes or no? And she says, okay, I'll take her. Well, the 16-year-old was high needs, special needs, needed to be hospitalized actually and my sister tried as much as she could, but said, I cannot, I cannot handle this. You know, we are in danger. Her, <laughs> her animals were in danger. It was just a messy situation. And they said, okay, we understand. And they removed her from the home. So it's hard, it's traumatizing, but uh, there are ways out as well. <laughs> so with all that being said, there's a lot of information that we have tossed at you. Are there any questions? About it, yes, Keith. I saw you. Yes, you do need a fence around a pool, and uh, you need to take a pool safety class. That's for older, it's for older, it's for younger. Mm-hmm. It's for it's for older and younger. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Any other questions? Yes.
0: Um, you were talking about a system that is broken. Um, are there steps being taken? By foster parents like you and others, to start uh, modifying that system to be uh, more streamlined, or do you think uh, it's effective now? As but it just needs to be streamlined, or
1: well, yes and no. We we do need more foster parents that advocate for themselves and for advocate for um, the children and for the social workers, social workers to do their job. You to keep them accountable. It's hard because you're at the mercy of a social worker. We had a social worker who didn't do their job that delayed our case for six months, six months, just because they were busy. And that is extremely frustrating. So it's a it's a p- tough balance of working within a broken system and also, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so
0: we, um, we also had a, a social worker who um, misspelled the name of the supposed bio dad and delayed another uh, another case of ours for six months because they have to post in the newspaper um, the, the, you know, the, Hey, you've got a kid in the system. Do you, do you want access to this kid and put it in the newspaper for a certain period of time? But she'd misspelled the name. And so that one, that one typo on a piece of paper caused another six months delay. Mm -hmm. Um, The, the, to, to speak a little bit more to, to your question mark, there are 50 different systems so plus washington d c and puerto Rico i 'm sure has the yeah and, and so you know to, to to streamline a system say in Nevada or to to have reforms within Nevada does not affect california and in fact, California and nevada don 't particularly work well together and don 't like each other very much, and so those two systems um, you know so it took us uh, two and a half years to get uh, Anastasia out of foster care in Los Angeles and into foster care in Nevada, and that involves like an interstate child placement compact. Um, It involves, um, you know, the state of California sending a formal request for the state of Nevada to host a foster child, and then the state of Nevada has to agree to host that foster. So the the layers of complexity here are so great. as well as you, know, you know, there's not a particular will to reform the system um uh because it, it and and i think covid has made it all the more worse because the um uh the, the tendencies of the system itself to uh w- to work very slowly are enhanced when, you know, you don't have to you don't have to move quickly because of, you know, some emergency um, uh, de- 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 what do you call it? When it's a de- declaration by by a state government or by several state governments or county governments. Um, but yeah.
2: Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>
1: closer.
2: I probably have missed it, but what's the difference for like if a family wanted to adopt and straight up just adopt somebody and the difference between just, you know, trying to foster kids and then find out like, okay, I, I probably want to keep this kid. What is the difference between that? Is that better? Will you suggest for a family who wanted to adopt to do the foster parenting? That's probably-
1: Good question. There are two ways. To handle that. So, when you sign up to be foster parents, you declare, Do you want to be foster to adoptive parents? And he said, Okay, so they're going to place you with a child that is more likely to be adopted. That isn't always the case. Like I said, my friends had their twins for two years and thought that they were going to be able to adopt, and they couldn't. And we got Jane thinking she was going to be reuni- reunified, and we were able to adopt her. So there are no guarantees. You can declare that's your intention, or you can wait for a child who is ready to be out of the foster care system and ready to be adopted. Then you can make that known to your caseworker, and they will take this child to. Is in foster care, ready to be adopted, and there is nobody who is willing to take them. Not the current foster family, and there's no biological family around, so they are just in this limbo and waiting. That is also something that's up in the air because that doesn't happen too often, but there is a need for that. So, you know, there is no hard line answer, unfortunately.
0: Mm -hmm. Older children as well. So, if Mm -hmm. you had the desire to adopt, you know, a five or six year old, uh, who is you know go, has gone through the system? Um, it's more likely that they will you know be be available for adoption. Um, all of this sounds very clinical and and harsh. Uh, you know, willing and you know the all the the, the language is uh, uh, can be very clinical. Um, but we, we don't want you to get the idea that you, the, that a family who may say no, I don't want to adopt this child is is mean or harsh. Like there are lots of reasons that that may not be possible for them at that time, or they may have declared very early on that all they want to do is foster, that they don't want to adopt. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a need for that too, uh, and so it's not necessarily a um, uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing,
1: mm-hmm. right? As families are working for reunification, maybe they're in prison and they're waiting to be released or they just have to take some classes and uh, they really want their children back and can do it, but they just need time. There's also, there's also room for that. I think Jeff had a question.
0: I was just curious about, um, you said it was about 500 newborns in Clark County in, in May? Just in, in May. May. Yeah, just in May. Um, is, is that like uh, people just like dropping the babies off at like fire stations or like safe houses? It,
1: it's a combination of yes, that, and also uh, in the hospital, something could go wrong and maybe they, the baby's sick and they take the baby to the hospital and then the nurses find out, okay, there's something else going on. We can't send you home with this child. Uh, it could be that they're uh, children that were born in prison and so they are detained. It could be that uh, automatically if you have a child in foster care and you have another child, that child is automatically detained. And surprisingly, homelessness is not a reason to detain a child. So if there is a child that they see that is homeless, there would have to be something else for them to take them into foster care. So it is a myriad of all these different things that uh, well, the influx of these children.
0: So was that like a, you said that was in May? Have we seen a spike since like the Roe v. Wade thing or?
1: Yeah, good question. I, I don't know about that. I'm sure we can. We I can think those numbers up.
0: are still developing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we can see. They're, they're calling foster families all over. Will you take an infant? Do you have an extra bed? Yes or no? (laughs) Yes, Sue. Um, Thank you for addressing this.
2: Um, It's kind of uncomfortable, I guess, because of the commitment level. Mm -hmm. But I was just talking to my daughter on the phone yesterday, and one of her criticisms for people that are against abortion, which I am, is that we as Christians aren't at the abortion clinic saying, "Okay, if you can't keep the baby, I'll take the baby and I'll Mm -hmm. raise the baby because Mm -hmm. the commitment is so, you know, deep that we don't want to do that. And so she was just saying how it's, you know, the poor women, like you were saying in the beginning, that get Mm -hmm. penalized. And why are we teaching sex ed in the schools? And then, you know, I don't know. It just seems like the system, again, is so broken.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. And that's right. Us as a church, we have to step up, and just because it's hard doesn't mean we don't do it.
3: <laughs> Ed and I did some therapeutic foster care work, and I also worked in social work with children at St. Jude's Ranch in Boulder City for a while. The system is designed to protect the rights of the biological parents okay. more so, really, than the rights of the children, um, and. So there's that conflict of many people's rights being involved Mm -hmm. in the system. And that's one of the reasons why it is so complicated. But also, there are young women in crisis pregnancies who will go through a private agency like Catholic Charities or Lutheran Social Services or Jewish Social Services to place their children for adoption. And that's a different system than the public system. but it also, of course, takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it can take two years. It can take seven years or ten years to get a child. But those systems are available as well.
0: Yeah. No. Most definitely. Okay. Um, so you know, in the news in the U.S. over the last few years, uh, you know, some some folks are convinced that everybody everywhere is a pedophile, right? Um, A lot of the arguments you hear from people who are pro-abortion is, well, look what happens to these kids in the foster care system. All these guys are pedophiles, which obviously is paying with the big boy. In your experience, what's going on there? Is there anything to that? Obviously, of any group of people, there's wicked evildoers hiding out. They they exist. But in your experience?
1: Unfortunately, we have had uh, experience with children that have come from foster families that have abused them, foster families that don't allow them to eat the same food as their regular families. I guess you can say they have to eat on the floor, Uh, foster families that have been neglectful. So there have, they are out there and they're, they're certified and Mm -hmm. it's, yeah it's broken. I think it's
0: by and large a function though of uh, neglect at the, the caseworker level. Um, you know, the, it, it, it pains me to watch all of the, the money outflow uh, to, to, to items that um, you know, are uh, in, in my mind less necessary than the protection of, of children in the community. And yet, you know, the uh, foster care and and, uh, uh, division of child uh, family services is uh, wildly underfunded. Um, And uh, uh, the uh, whereas, you know, we we do have lots of other areas of of government that seem to have more than enough funding. Um, So I I I do though uh, think that you know you you answered the question within the question, right? There are wicked and evil people and. Um, one of the great, um, you know, underreported uh, disasters of our time is the it, within the public school, of, uh, of of teachers taking liberties with with children. But um, you know, uh, beyond that, yeah, within fo- within foster care, within the Catholic Church, within the Southern Baptist Church, there's going to be uh, wicked and evil people who uh, you know get their hands on kids and. Um, you know, it's a uh, it's a tragedy that uh, that you know we uh, pray pray against all the time mm-hmm. thanks for focusing on teachers there
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. oh, oh Bob, Bob up here in front and then I think that'll close us out uh, Bob, Bob Bob Summers do you have any statistics about how many children are, are born in Clark County with an addiction because the parent was, on oh, some good,
1: I do not have the s- statistics on that, but it is a high amount. I I, I can imagine. And that a lot of ready?
0: those children probably wind up in foster care mm-hmm. as well. Good number. Which is yeah. mm-hmm. another difficult issue for the foster parent. Mm-hmm. To, yeah. to deal mm-hmm. with. Oh, for sure. Yes. Um, this there, is, you know. Oh, go ahead. I
1: was just say there are uh, families that we know of personally that they have. Three or four kids in foster care that are, have been adopted, and six other kids that they don't know where they are. Yeah. So it's and that is more commonly in uh, drug addicted families. So that's just. Uh,
0: I mean, the current to... opioid cri- crisis, you know, in the United States has produced a lot of drug addicted babies, uh, mm-hmm. and a to foster a drug addicted child is a, you know a, it's a major commitment. Um, and uh, so, you know, it's, it's tough, but yeah, again, I mean, it, it, the, the Christian church, and this is the last thing I'll say, the Christian church made its name in Rome uh, during the plagues. When the, the Christians would refuse to leave the sides of the, the, the widows, the orphans, the sick, and the dying. Um, and then it's also how we got our reputation as a slave religion, right? So uh, to uh, get into the, the communities of, of slaves and the dispossessed and, and the abused. And, uh, you know, w- we as Americans are extremely comfortable, right? But there are still. Neglected, abused, dispossessed people within our communities that uh, require um, care. Uh, and so, uh, you know, to Kathy's to point previously, if you uh, feel as though you are not qualified or capable of, of fostering, uh, then you certainly are qualified and capable of uh, assisting uh, foster families or of, uh, you know, doing something to advocate for uh, change within the system. Um, thank you all. Thank you.